Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Remarkable Results Radio's Town Hall Academy. We're talking turning price callers into customers. Now here's a taste. Well, and I think they're not necessarily shopping price either. They're shopping you as a shop. The price is the only thing that they know what to ask for. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here, and thanks to Bill Haas and Emily Sundstrom for bringing their passion for turning price shoppers into callers. Hey, I want to thank the supporters of the Town Hall Academy, Jasper Engines, and RepairPal. Why purchase a Jasper quality remanufactured product? Well, it's their people. A Jasper associate is dedicated to high-quality customer service. They're committed to excellence, professional, and they have pride of ownership as part of a 100% associate-owned company. Hey, want to become RepairPal certified? You'll need a minimum of a 1212 warranty, a shop management system, a high customer satisfaction score, and recent tech training. Learn about free tech training at repairpal.com slash shops. Hey, are you listening to the podcast on a mobile device? Well, then great. Thanks. If you're not listening mobile, then you can find a listening app on my website at remarkableresults.biz slash app. Hey, don't forget about the power of the books page on my website. Just about every book we've talked about or mentioned is listed there. If you want an overview of powerful reading to take your life and career to another level, please check out the books page. On the Academy panel is Emily Sundstrom, service manager at Valley Auto Electric from Covington, Washington, and business coach Bill Haas, AAM, from Haas Performance Consulting. I know there are many opinions and positions on how to handle price shoppers and set appointments, but we all agree that the service advisor is the toughest job in the industry. They are the hub of the organization. They have the task to turn phone callers seeking service into customers. There are many great discussion points in the Academy here that makes it so worth your listen. No need for pen or paper. The key talking points are already done for you on the show notes page at remarkableresults.biz slash A103. Hey, a few highlights. Your caller may not necessarily be looking for price because they don't know what else to ask. We talk about getting your value story told and the power of the smile. Can you see mine? Among about a dozen other great lessons from this episode. Hey, I hear a phone ringing. Opportunity is calling. Hey, glad to have you guys here. A really cool subject because we are often always looking to take that telephone that is one of you know our most important links and lifelines to new revenue, new customers, current and uh, you know even current customers. So, Bill, let's start this out. Ways to turn phone shoppers into customers. Now, Bill callers do they always ask for a price when they're shopping well i think more often than not they're asking for a price and you know a lot of times they're just wondering what this thing's going to cost me i think it's a trap honestly and and i don't mean that the callers trying to trap us i think we get ourselves into this trap of Oh, so often I hear the excuse, you know, so if I'm talking to a, an advisor or a client about, you know, what happened with those calls today? Well, they were just price shoppers. And that, that kind of becomes the excuse for I didn't do what I was supposed to do. So the reason that I failed was they were just price shoppers. And so... I really, I honestly believe that there's no such thing as a price shopper. There, there really isn't. And I think if you just get that out of your head and really understand that the reason the person is calling you is because they need help and maybe they didn't know what to ask. And I'm not saying that price isn't important. I think there, there's, you know, something about price that is important, but the trap is we get sucked into this price thing. And so I like to, to start with, you really have to change the trigger. And for a lot of people, the trigger is this. The phone rings. What am I supposed to do when the phone rings? I'm supposed to answer the phone. And then the trigger is whatever the caller asks for. And so if you think about it, when they say, oh, can you tell me how much it is to do blank? Just fill in the blank. I don't care. Just 
whatever blank is. Can you tell me that triggers a reaction in our minds of, oh, one of two things has to happen here. I either give them a price or tell them why I can't give them a price. Mm -hmm. So now if I'm going to give them a price, how do I give them a price? Do I take the time to legitimately put the numbers together or do I just shoot from the hip? And we find a lot of times we're shooting from the hip because it's like, well, if you need to price on breaks, the last time I did, did breaks, it was about this much money. So if I tell them it's this much money, I'm going to be safe, right? Or the worst thing is we think, well, I'm really not allowed to give prices. I mean, uh, and and I've honestly heard this in a advisor's response to that call is, I'm sorry, our company policy is to not give prices over the phone. That's Nobody cares what your company policy is. Right. Nobody cares what that company policy is. All, all I really heard was, you're not going to help me. And so I think if you just put the whole price shopper thing aside and say, well, why is this person calling? And so when I was talking about changing the trigger, my idea of changing the trigger is this. Don't wait for the question from the caller to be the trigger, let the ringing phone be the trigger. And so when I hear a ringing phone, my that triggers in my head, it's time to make an appointment. <laughs> and now I approach the call entirely different because I used to wait till I got the question from the caller and then respond. Or now I hear the ringing phone and the ringing phone is the trigger that says time to make an appointment and it changes what's going to happen in that call. Well, and I think they're not necessarily shopping price either. They're shopping you as a shop. The price is the only thing that they know what to ask for. Yeah, that's a really good point. That, that's and, what I've learned yeah. is that they they don't know calling you know, three or four other shops that the value is really what they're asking for. What am I going to get by coming to your shop versus going to Joe down the street? Yeah, but the comparative tool ultimately ends up if you're the fourth person that they've called, the only barometer to your point is the price from the previous three shops. Now, do you do, do you go as far as to say, have you gotten prices from anyone else? If they want to do price comparison, I'm more than happy to look at what they have from another shop because I want to make sure that we're comparing apples to apples because I know a shop down the street is going to do, let's just say a break job, for instance, is going to be totally different at their shop than it's going to be at our shop. And their technicians are trained totally different than mine are to be able to give the information and options, I guess you could say, on, on how we can do that. I think there's something in that conversation that you have to be really careful about. <clears throat> and that is, <clears throat> I never want to give a caller information that won't help them make a good decision. So if you think about that and said, <clears throat> if I give them a price, if they want a price to do breaks and I give them a price to do breaks, is that information that will help them make a good decision about their car? Not really, because I don't know what the brakes need. Right. Right. So any of that kind of falls back to that. What information will you give them that will help them make a good? And I think that's a great statement to use with callers when mm -hmm. they, when you get pressure and, and a lot of times you're getting pressure, right? Right. You'll get the, you'll get the, well, give me, give me a worst case scenario right. or just give me a ballpark figure. I, I just need, and the reality is that's very difficult to do and mm -hmm. do it accurately at all. And so when I say to the caller, you know, I'd love to do that for you, but I'm just not going to give you information that won't help you make a good decision. I've got to bring them back to a point of, yeah, I really do want good information and right. I really do want to make a good decision. Nobody wants to make bad decisions. Right. And when do you make bad decisions? You make bad decisions with bad information. 
and empower okay. them to make those decisions so that they they are the ones making that choice. Absolutely. That that piece is so critical. I love that, Emily. Um, so, guys, let's get into value versus cost price. Okay. Emily, how how would you go about, uh, you know, with, with the challenge that you have on the phone to get the value story told? Value for us is I have a complete team of ASC certified technicians. They've all been through the training to be able to make the best recommendations for their vehicles. We have a 30 month, 30,000 mile warranty. Versus great, great, great. But how much? <laughs> I have to see it to be able to price it out for you so that I can give you accurate information because my 2004 Yukon is going to be different than your 2004 Yukon. You might have 100,000 miles. I have 250,000 miles. There will be differences in what yours will need versus what mine will need. And I want to make sure that I give you accurate, useful information to make the best choice. I can't believe you have to see my vehicle in order to give me a price. Well, and I also don't want to get you in based just on price. I don't want to tell you it's going to be $450. Get it here. You have that expectation and then say, well, you know, now that we've taken a look at it, it's now going to be $750. I'd rather be able to take a look at it let you know exactly what we're looking at and give you the options for what we can do for you. You know, Emily, every once in a while I call the doctor and tell him it hurts here and he sends me a prescription. So why do I have to bring in my car to your place? Does it always fix what's wrong? <laughs> Very good question because <laughs> I have a rebuttal for that in the back of my mind. Thank you for that. And, you know, I was thinking about that just the other day, guys. You know, this, we, we, we in, the, in our industry, sometimes we go back to this doctor concept and relationship. <laughs> And and I and I and I have to tell you that you know doctors today, they will you know, if they if they don't see you and they don't see feel touch listen and, and do those things, yep. uh, they they may be doing you an injustice. And and I go uh -huh. back to maybe maybe one of the rebuttals for a very difficult customer. If you continue to want to bring that customer in the fold and you, you know you didn't want to give up on them, maybe that's a interesting analogy. Listen, the, the doctor's not going to give you a, a you know figure out a symptom over the phone right. you, you got to come in i mean it's vehicles today are extremely complicated and there could be a lot of things wrong to keep your we got to put your vehicle back in a reliable safe zone for you i do that comparison a lot with your body because you can have back pain but is it because you sit down too much or is it because you um, have a pinched nerve in your back. I won't know until I see you and can see your symptoms and find out exactly what's going on. And I get a lot of people who just want to tell me, well, somebody told me what's wrong already. Well, if you go get a second opinion from a doctor, they have to see you before they prescribe you the medication also. They're not just going to go off of the prescription or the diagnosis that the first doctor gave you. And I need the symptoms. I don't need to know what you believe is wrong with your car. I need to know what symptoms you have so I can prescribe for you. And I think when you go back to that initial call, <clears throat> how you set that up, when you get that call that says, hey, you know, I've got some trouble and I need a price on brakes on my Ford pickup truck. Mm -hmm. How do you respond to that? To me, it's always the response has to be, hey, no problem. We've, we've you know got experts here to help you with your brakes. So I'm already starting to set up the value, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell me why you think you need brakes? Because that's the story I need. I've got to get that story. Now, the difference is if they tell me, oh, well, my brakes have been making some noise. They really started grinding mm -hmm. bad yesterday. It's like, hey, does it, you know, you feel safe driving a car? I can look at it this afternoon, tomorrow morning. I've not talked about price at all. Right. I moved it to let's get it here and get it looked at. Let's let my team of experts determine what needs to be done. As soon as we've got that done, I'll get a complete estimate put together, know exactly what we need to do. And then you and I can talk about what it's going to cost. And we'll do that before we do any work. Mm -hmm. Can I do that tomorrow morning or, you know, and I moved them there. Now that conversation could be entirely different. I could say, well, I can help you with your brakes. Why don't you tell me what's going on? And they go, well, I know it needs brakes. I've got it at Midas and they've pulled it all apart and they told me it needs right. brakes. 
well, how do you respond to that? In my, to, in my thinking, it's like, do you think you're going to get that car out of the Midas store? It's already all taken apart and already. And the reality is they had some level level of comfort in taking it to the Midas store mm-hmm. in the first place. So then I, I like to just simply ask them, so why aren't you having them fix the brakes? Right. Oh, well, I thought maybe I could save money or, and the, you know what, to me, the reality is that person is a price shopper. Right. They're just seeing, am I getting a fair price here? I'm not going to take it anywhere else. I'm not going to. You know what happens, Bill? I think you just, I think you just hit it. They didn't get the value. uh, The value proposition didn't work for them. Absolutely right. Now here's where you run into a problem is now you're kind of tempted like, well, they know it definitely needs breaks. Maybe it's safe to give them a price, but mm-hmm. I don't want to do that either. I want to move them to, and I'll just simply come back with, hey, I understand that, that you might be concerned about what, what's going on there. I'll be happy to look at the breaks, give you a second opinion, and put an estimate together for you. Yeah. It's like you gave Midas a chance to look at them. You needed to give me. I get the same chance. Yeah, I got right. to have the same chance. Yep. You know, Bill, it looks like, you know, when we think about it, we spend so much time, money, and effort to get the phone ring. Yep. We're trying to get a desired result from that. Yeah. And the desired result is what? The desired result is a car in the stall, a car at the shop. That's the desired result. You've got to get the car to that service bay. You have to have your people do their testing and their inspection and their evaluation to determine what needs to be done. Well, and if they're calling for pricing or calling and asking more questions of you or another shop or what have you, they're either missing the value, they haven't gotten the value statement that they're looking for, or they don't trust what they were told. And they're looking for somebody to either validate what they need and what somebody has already told them, or they just, like you said, those are the people looking for strictly just price. And there are some people that just want the cheapest, the fastest, and that's it. I don't care about any of the other value. Just get it back on the road the cheapest that you can. Will you take a customer like that? A transactional no. customer? No, okay. I mean, I try not to because I don't, I want to build the relationship and build the trust and build the value for long term. I want to make sure that, you know, we have customers that are coming in that we started out taking care of their cars and now their kids are driving and we're, we're keeping their kids' cars safe on, safe on the road and their kids' kids at that point. And that's the relationship that I want to build and the trust that I want to build with customers, not just because I'm the cheapest guy or just because I'm open on Saturdays and Sundays or, you know, things like that. I'm with Ron Haugen of Westside Auto Pros. Hey, Ron, why purchase a Jasper engine for your customer's car? Uh, the, the main reason we use Jasper is is they're known for quality, and we're known for quality. They line up with my company and my, and my company's commitment to our customers uh, you know, as a product. They're committed to me. Hey, Ron, are customers investing in their vehicle today? Absolutely. You, you know, we, we see the surveys from, from AAA and, and, and all the different people out there where the average age of a car on the road is 11 years old. Some are even saying 12 now. Uh, when you think about that, for every new car sold, that means there's a 22-year-old car being driven on a daily basis. To me, that's amazing. Uh, the only way we get an average age of a vehicle on the road like that is because people are reinvesting in a car. And, and I think the reason they're reinvesting in a car is, is the cost of a car. I mean, cars are thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. You know, why not drop four, five, six, eight thousand dollars into repowering the vehicle and get it back on the road? Hey, Ron, thanks for your insights on Jasper. Thanks for asking. I'm with Neil Billado, certified repair pail shop from Safety Auto Centers in Wallingford, Connecticut. Hey, Neil. Hi, Carm. How are you? I'm great. So, how long has it been repair pail certified? We've been RepairPal certified since 2014. Uh, we've been with RepairPal a few years before that as well. A good move. 
It was a good move. One of the benefits with RepairPal is that it's a piece of the puzzle uh, in the internet, the whole internet scheme of where you're fitting. RepairPal comes up when somebody's searching for you for auto repair near me or any of the different auto repair, brake repair in Wallingford, Connecticut or wherever you are. And people are clicking on that. And they're looking to see who's one of the shops that come up on there. Just like when they click on Yelp, they're looking to see who's a shop coming up on Yelp or who's coming up on Google. It's a piece of the puzzle. So Neil, sum up RepairPal. It's worth it. It really does work. Let me ask you a question, Emily. You, do you guys do a lot of Facebook and or, you know, you, you like your Google reviews that are out there? All, all of this effort that's put into catching the customer when they're vulnerable or, you know, when they break jobs mm-hmm. in, in, in your town, in Covington, Washington. Um, do they do they communicate with you through the internet or are they picking up the phone and calling you? I think that there's a lot more shifting towards um, communication either via Facebook or I don't know if you guys have like, it's called the next door app where you can recommend services or things like that through your neighborhood area. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of people that say that they find us on Yelp on Yelp. Yes. You guys have great reviews. I want to give you a try. Um, And I think that it's shifting more that way than the phone ringing because it's easier for people to multitask that way and get a faster response, I think, or ask, ask questions that make them vulnerable through a screen rather than person to person. So the phone rings. I saw you got great. You got 55 star reviews. Uh, I need a break job. Um, how much? Well, Carm, that's great. You know, I'm glad you looked us up on online and read through our reviews. I appreciate that. Um, what we really do practice is taking a look at the vehicle so we can best get a look at your car specifically and prescribe for you exactly what you need, not just what we think you need. We want to know, we want to be as accurate as we can to get you back on the road as safely as we can, as quickly as we can. So Bill, this whole thing with the, the money we're spending on getting the phone ring, are you seeing that your clients are, are really taking advantage of that? Yes. I mean, there there's a tremendous effort that's made to make the phone ring. And the difference being that you've got to learn to do the right things when the phone rings in order to see that return on the investment, right? So if the phone rings and somebody says, how much is blank? And we give them, you know, some ballpark figure. And then they say, okay, I'll call you back or let me think about that. And that's the end of the call. Well, there's no return and Mm -hmm. I can't measure it. And chances are they're not going to call back. And so if they're calling multiple shops, what you have to remember when they're calling multiple shops is that if, if I need something done and I call three different places to have it done and I get three different prices and I get a, a price on the low end, I get a price on the high end and I get a price somewhere in the middle, who are they going to choose? The middle. The middle, right? Because I don't want to pay too little because I'm probably not getting a good job if I pay too little. I don't want to pay too much because I might be getting ripped off. So the comfort is you're going to select the one in the middle and hope that that gets me the results. The problem is for us answering the phone is if we give a price, we don't know where we are. If we could answer the phone every day and give a price to know we're in the middle, we'd have we'd have a pretty good deal going on. But you've got to get the shop to learn how to answer the phone appropriately and start that conversation because it's all about that conversation. Every sale starts with a conversation. And so if you think about it, when that call comes in and you answer the phone and it's all about, you have to have the time. You can't sound rushed. You can't sound hurried. You can't, you have to sound like you're the only thing that's important to me in my world right now is this call. So how can I help you? So you need, so, so it sounds like you need breaks. Let me see how I can help you. Why do you think you need breaks and you have that conversation? Now, I'm going to make, I, I have a SOP for how the phone gets answered. And that is that we're going to make two invitations for them to bring me the car. After those two invitations, I'm going to get off the phone. 
because that's part of how I have to measure the return on the investment for the money that I'm spending on getting the phone to ring is if, if I'm watching these phone calls and these phone calls get to be three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, eight minutes long, my chance of getting an appointment minimizes as the call gets longer. So what I'm looking for is I want to be off of that phone in two minutes or less. I have an appointment and I am off the phone in two minutes or less. So I answer the phone, I get the story, I learn, I share with them how I can help them and I offer the appointment. Now, am I going to get the appointment? Not every time. There's going to be somebody that'll say, well, yeah, but I know that I need breaks. Just give me the worst case scenario or give me that ballpark figure. And I'm going to make another offer. I, you know, I can respond to that with, look, let, let's make sure exactly what needs to be done. I don't want to give you any information that won't help you make a good decision. I can look at it first thing tomorrow morning. Is that convenient for you? If I still don't have an appointment after two invitations, mm -hmm. I'm getting off the phone. And the way I do that is this, and I do it without giving a price. I simply say, well, Carm, it doesn't sound like you're ready to have the car looked at yet. My name's Bill. I'll be happy to help you when you're ready. Just give me a call back and we'll get it taken care of. And we're done. Do you know what happens 50% of the time when you do that? They call you back or they do the appointment right then. They do the 50% of the time. You will get the appointment right then because they will respond with, oh, wait, well, you said tomorrow morning, right? Tomorrow morning's okay. Yep. Tomorrow morning's great. Well, go, go ahead. I'll, I'll drop it off first thing in the morning. And I kind of had to do a little bit of that with a customer that called yesterday that has a smart car. And he kept telling me that he knows one of the rotors is bad. So he just wants one rotor. And I, and I kept telling him, you know, we, we do need to do a complete repair. Um, to us, a complete repair is, is going to start out with lining and rotors and, you know, inspect the calipers, find out if it needs calipers. If you've got a pulsation, then that pulsation is coming from somewhere. Well, I just ran it through a puddle and, you know, those smart cars, they just get, they get the rotors wet and that's what happens. They just warp. I said, Okay, so, you know, when I tried to sell them again on, we have to do the full repair, we can't do a partial, and he, it wasn't sinking in for him, and he, he goes, well, I only need one. I said, then maybe we're not the shop for you, because we can't do the partial repair that you are asking me to do. Well, I'm not, I'm, that's not what I'm asking for. Okay, well, then, if you'd like to bring it in so we can look at it, I can get you in tomorrow, we can look at it and we can put together the correct repair for you. All of a sudden, now that he heard what we were hearing on our end, to him, it sounded as absurd as it did to me. You know, th those are all great points, Bill. I want to I step back to your, your last uh, conversation. My takeaway on what you just said about the two time, uh, the, the, the two chances for a two invitation. You took charge of the conversation. Oh, absolutely. You took charge. But don't stop listening to the caller. Right? Great you got to get their story. You got to get their story. You got to know what that is. But then you have to be in charge. And it's like, I can help you. I can look at that first thing in the morning or I can look at that right after lunch. Can you drop it off? We'll get it looked at as soon as we've got it looked at. In fact, I'll tell you what, if you can drop it off after lunch by three o'clock, I will be calling you back to let you know what we found and have a complete estimate together. And we'll have a plan for how we're going to proceed with your car. Will that work for you? Yeah. You know, the, the beauty of that, if 50% of the callers say, hey, I'll come in in the morning, is that you basically took charge of their problem. Yes. And maybe some of the other callers were just, they were just throwing up prices and say, okay, let me know. Okay, let me know. Okay. You know, where the service advisors haven't been through training. And, and again, I go back to, I'd love to talk about this near the end, Bill. You know, the, the value, the importance of service manager, service advisor training. Uh, to me, you know, one of the most critical positions in the company. I mean, CEOs can go get training. It's the toughest job there is in the company, and that, that everybody needs to recognize that that position in the company is the toughest job there is. 
And it's not like you go to, you know, if you want to be a technician, you go to school and you're going to spend two, three, four years, depending upon what it is you hope to accomplish to do that. Can't do that for a service advisor. Well, most service advisor training is on the job, <laughs> learning and you're gaining that experience. And and yeah, if if you're fortunate to work with a coach or work with some, you know, training company to get yeah, that's phenomenal, but I don't think that happens for most advisors. Extremely important point. I mean, it, we, we're, we talk a lot on the show about the number of hours that a shop service professional owner would spend on his technicians each and every year to keep them up to date. And then occasionally I will say, well, how about the service advisor? Oh, we're not doing that. And, right. And I, I guess the, the great point of this entire show is maybe we can change the paradigm of some of the people out there. You guys are hitting it out of the ballpark. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, in the Zoom webinar platform, if you register for that and you're hanging out with us, you know, a few people do each and every week. We have a great audience on Facebook going too. But Al Wright, he writes in, he says, I do not use the term look at. There is no value. We have to use the word inspect and test. Thank you for that, Al. And from Keith Perkins, you have 90 seconds to wow the first time caller, win their heart. Easy. Uh, you don't have 90 seconds. You don't have 90 the statistics we see today is your first impression is made in 11 seconds. Wow. That that uh, dead air was on purpose. <laughs> it was a wow factor, right, Emily? <laughs> uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's sincerity is required, Keith says, and you can hear a smile over the phone. And, and we, I think we all oh, we true. all know that. Anybody who spends time on the phone knows and gets that. You know, I stole that idea from somebody at a seminar. It was that many years ago when I had my shop. And what I did was I took the little three by five card note cards we used to use when we'd have to give a presentation in school, right? The little three by five. And so I took those cards and I wrote with a black magic marker in letters to fill up that card. And I wrote smile on the card and taped the card across the top of the phone. So every phone in my store, you had to look at that before you answered the phone. And people could tell the difference. It made a difference. We used to have um, just a, a image of a smile from the internet that was cut out, laminated, and taped to all of our computer screens so that people would remember because you can tell I called another shop the other day and I got off the phone and I looked at Brian and I go, wow, that guy sounds like he hates his job. <laughs> and Brian laughed and I go, he wasn't smiling. Brian goes, how can you tell? I said, cause I could tell he had just the tone, the, the demeanor that you can feel through the phone. And I go, he wasn't smiling and that's a problem. You know, it's a requirement that I think every service advice, anybody in the world who does any business on the phone has to know that, but we forget. And I love the idea of the constant reminder and the, you know, the smile face or the words smile written everywhere. You know, we need, we need reinforcement and encouragement almost all the time. Well, and you know, another problem that I find in shops that seems to go largely unaddressed is we allow people to answer the phone that have never been trained to answer the phone. So it's kind of like you get in the shop and you're hoping that, you know, you've got some real good people up front. If, you know, I'm going to pick on Emily. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm hoping that every time that phone rings, Emily answers the phone. But there's a chance that Emily's busy or, you know, there's other things that are taking up her time or maybe she's on another call and phone calls keep coming in. They don't know the difference, right? right. So who answers the phone? <laughs> and so in a lot of shops, you always have this hierarchy of answering the phone, right? If if Emily's busy and then Brian's busy and then, boy, somebody better get that phone and right. you better get it by the fourth ring and then somebody answers it in an environment that a phone shouldn't be answered, number one, and secondly, by somebody who should have never been allowed to be on the phone. We've had that what happen What impression before. does that make on a caller? Did you see Emily's face right there? <laughs> We've had that happen before, and it's not, you don't get that second chance when you have the wrong person answering the phone. 
The customer is not going to wait for somebody else. They're not going to call back and say, hey, I had this horrible experience with somebody that answered the phone, but I wanted to call back just in case. Just in case it'll get better this time. Just in case. It couldn't get worse than it was. Well, let me let me get uh, let me jump up on my soapbox. And Bill, uh, you had kind of mentioned it before. You know, every everyone has to know and learn. Uh, you got to teach people how to answer the phone. Business culture, you know, exceptional customer service. We're building trust. We're building relationships. Take care of your people. They take care of your customers. And I and it goes so far that if we were going to have a Nordstrom's style level of service, then even the tech. Who may have been who realized the phone's ringing off the wall? You know, there's, uh, uh, you know, we're in we're in DefCon two, and they pick up the phone because of the inbred culture, because of the creed of customer service, and the fact that we've trained them. You know, thank you for calling Valley Auto Electric. Carm speaking. Can I help you? I mean, whatever the the, the statement's going to be, Bill. Whatever you establish has to be done by everyone. And I think that's a great point and, right. and something. And, and so we, we actually do that. So we do an SOP for answering the phone. So if I look at Emily's store, right, there's Emily knows how the phone is going to be answered. I know. And I know that every time she answers the phone, it's the same, right? Mm-hmm. It's hi, this is Emily. Thank you for calling Valley Auto Electric. How may I help you today? Whatever, blah, 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 whatever right. it is. Okay. We also have, an SOP, which includes a script for the tech that answers the phone. So if we are so adamantly opposed to voicemail, which we should stop doing, but if we are, then the technician needs to know how to answer the phone. And so he has to be trained to answer the phone. And it's simply this. So if the technician answers the phone, it's very much similar. So this is Bill. Thank you for calling Valley Auto Electric. Emily's not available right now. May I take your name and number? to have her return your call because everything needs to go through Emily. So now the tech's not trying to do something he doesn't know how to do because when the caller says, well, I wanted to get a price on, the tech doesn't know how to respond to that. Mm -hmm. If the caller says, yeah, I'm just checking on my car. I dropped it off yesterday. I wanted to see if it looks like it'll be, they don't know the answer to that question. So they shouldn't be doing anything other than saying, Emily's unavailable. May I have your name and number so she can return your call? And then he's off the phone. Yeah. You know, in order to ensure the fact that Emily's job depends on all that internal marketing that's coming in, Emily, have you ever created the script for the the, the guys in the shop who would possibly pick up the phone and tacked it on the wall in the back? I had this wonderful guy named Bill that trained me, and I'm pretty sure I have an SOP for that. <laughs> I see why she's here, Bill. Well, she's had a lot of good people help her and, and I'm not going to take all the credit for it. She's doing a phenomenal job and, you know, I might have had a, a role in the part of that. But uh, Emily's a very determined, very committed individual who, if she'd got the help or not, she'd have figured out how to get it done. So that's Emily. Thank you. Excellent. Hey, Bill, um, you've told me in the past, never tell a caller what you can't do. Oh, yeah. No, never tell a caller what you can't do. Nobody wants to know what you can't do. It's kind of like, you know, well, I'm sorry, I can't give you a price over the phone. Well, I can't do that without looking at the car. And I hear this stuff all the time. I mean, there there are people that are just putting that out there. And it's like, why don't you tell them what you can do? <laughs> They'll respond much better to what you can do. Because the minute you tell them what you can't do has all the negative connotations, right? And it's like, well, now you told me what you can't do and you, you're going to, and it's just going to keep being more no, no, no. <clears throat> so make it positive. So rather than telling them what you can't do, tell them what you can do. I can help you with that. I can look at that first thing tomorrow morning. Why, why don't we get that here? And we'll get it yeah. looked at. Instead of I can't give you a price over the phone. <laughs> right. I can't give you a price over Oh, I well, can put your vehicle back into safe and reliable condition right. when you bring the car in so we can look at it. Um, l- let me go back to the smile thing. I, I, a thought just came to my head. You know me, I chase I chase acorns. Um, <laughs> Keith Perkins wrote in here, it's like Disney, you are always on stage when at work. It requires training and a clear direction and, and clear expectations. 
I, I've told this story before on the show over our 500 episodes, and I'll, I'd like to just tell it again. I remember going to the Disney Institute, and we were there to come up with a strategic vision and a plan for our company, and Disney was there to help us. But in order for Disney to set us up on the right staging over the couple of days we were going to be there, they told us the story on how they came up with their customer service creed, and they put some of their key people in rooms, and they all come up with great ideas, and it was a two- or three-day project. They finally came out with what they thought was the strongest, bestest way that every person who's on stage at Disney understands their interaction with a customer. And you're going to love it. And it is, look them in the eyes and smile. Smile. Yeah. That, that, in its purest essence, if anyone in our industry takes that and, and, and it works for associate team members, it works on the phone. You could pretend that that avatar of yours is you're looking at, the, the, even if it's on the phone, look them in the eye and smile. They walk in your building, look them in the eye and smile. And then the, and then the other greatest part of, of, of the listening effect is to make sure you know what color their eyes are. When it comes to when it comes to being a good listener, because that's all part of the package. Well, and the smile can go a long ways too. We're in a job or a field or a career where it's an uncomfortable situation. People come in, they're tense, they're stressed. It's not ever something that somebody expects or wants to do. But if you smile and tell them what you can do for them, you can almost watch them just relax and be like and and say, okay, if you can help me, then I can relax a little bit. And now it's not as uncomfortable. I'm not as agitated. I'm not as inconvenienced as I was when my car broke down or I got a flat tire or my husband said, now I can't have my car for two days because it's broken, you know, and that smile can, can break the ice and make it that much easier. When you give price, Emily, and I'm sure you have, is value the big piece of how that price works for the customer? I think that that's part of it. I think that there are people that do only want the price, but why am I going to be more expensive than Joe down the street? Because here's what I have to offer you. While your car is down and you can't use it, Maybe I can offer you a loaner car that they can't. Oh, well, okay, well, does that cost me anything? No, it doesn't. But it can make your inconvenient situation more convenient because now you can still get around. Or they just don't know what else to ask for. They don't know how to ask for help other than how am I going to be spending my money? Do you have a, a list on the wall or in, in the back of your mind what your value proposition is? Or I heard you say earlier, ASE technicians, highly trained. I have it, and I probably should get it out and read it more often than I do, just as a reminder. Note, Bill. <laughs> um, but there are, and I kind of have to ask the customer questions to find out what values are important to them, too, because not everybody is going to value a loaner car the same way or is not going to value a certified technician the same way or may not value a warranty the same way as the next customer. So what is it that's important to that person and play it to that customer? I'm on the phone and you say, oh, and by the way, we've got some free Wi-Fi and fresh coffee and water here while you're waiting for us to come up with your thing. Is that a subliminal message of value? Yeah, because now... You've, you've made my stay in your lobby more entertaining. I can watch a video. I can work. I can have a snack. You've helped to paint a picture mm -hmm. of what the experience is going to be like. Professional people, clean, uh, free Wi-Fi if I need it, coffee, uh, right. comfortable. I got a beautiful couch. You know, sit down. We got the, go out the TV running. We got great magazines. Why is he telling me all this? Well, maybe at the end of the day, if my price is somewhere, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all looking for price and you kind of took me off, you, 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 you kind of took me off my price thing and you brought me down right. to a, a greater reality. And that is, by the way, we're looking to have a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. we're, 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 we're here in this, you know, safe and reliable zone. That's what we want to do for your vehicle. Whatever it costs, it costs. 
And I think right. there's a question that can be asked that helps us understand that. So when this person calls and we do our answer the phone, find out what kind of problem they have and say, by the way, why did you choose Valley Auto Electric? And they're going to tell us, oh, mm-hmm. I work with so-and-so or I just moved to the area. I didn't know where else to go. Or, you know, I've been going to XYZ shop and I don't think they've been doing a good job. Well, I know enough about XYZ shop, right? Right. And now I know that they've had bad experience there. They're ready to ratchet up and accept that a more expensive shop may provide better value, better service, all those things. I mean, they had to experience some of that first. And they left that shop for a reason. And they left that shop. Or if they say, well, I, here's another good question. Ask people, where do you normally take your car for service? I really appreciate you calling Valley Auto Electric today. Where do you normally go for service? (laughs) Well, I went to the dealer and I think they just got too expensive or my car's out of warranty now, so I don't need to go back to the dealer. You need that information because now you know what you're going to be compared to. Right. So... No, you need to know what your competition does. So if you're in a marketplace where the dealer's doing all kinds of stuff, falling over these people, you know, putting in nail salons and, you know, back massage chairs and, you know, free coffee and Wi-Fi and loaner cars. And I've got somebody that works in the, that has an office here in the same complex. And I went to lunch the other day and I walked out and I, I'm teasing her. I'm like, Janice, you got another new car. Here she is in a 2019 Mercedes Benz. I said, Janice, you got another new car. And she goes, no, this is just a loaner from the dealer, but it sure is nicer than what I drive. Well, no kidding. What do you think they're doing? Right. Right. But you got to be able to compete with that stuff. And so one part of this is understanding who you're competing with. The other part is... What do they expect? Mm-hmm. What do they expect? How am I going to be compared? How are they going to gauge our services and our facility and our amenities to what they're used to? And so that can go the other way too, right? The guy could say, well, I've been going to XYZ shop for years and I just want somebody that you know can do it for less than they do. And you're like, that's the rock bottom shop in the area. I mean, how do right. we, nobody's going to do it. And then, to Emily, you know, she made a statement before. It's okay to tell somebody, you know, I don't think we're the shop for you. You have to remember this. Everybody cannot afford you. Great topic. So important today. I, I just want to cover just a, a tad bit, Bill, on the value of training the service advisors and, and why it is so important and so critical. Emily, you're a receiver of that training. Obviously, it's worked. High fives, mm-hmm. kudos, Bill. And, and any of the training that you've had, you're a student. I mean, not only are you a service manager in a great company up in our great Northwest, but it seems to be that you're a student and constantly looking to get better. Absolutely. I'm constantly learning. There's not anything that I'm not learning every day. And it's constantly, whether it's classes or reading or training or talking or doing something like this, where you have those takeaways you constantly have to do that to make yourself better, to make yourself a better company, a better person, better at your job. And I'm grateful for this opportunity, you guys. Thank you. Oh, hey, we're so happy to have you. I think you've added a ton of great refreshing outlook uh, to us. And, you know, and kudos and high fives that Brian, you know, put uh, a woman on the front counter. I mean, you know, that's the trend. Mm-hmm. It's... In the area that we're in, we get a lot more women that drop off than men, and it makes them more comfortable to be able to be related to versus feeling that they're not going to be understood is is what I get told a lot of times. So um, it's, it is definitely something that we can do as women. It's fun. It's easy. We're good with people. So, you know. How many calls come in cold turkey from women? Um, I don't know. I've never thought about that. I don't, I definitely get a lot more pushback and a lot more resistance in making an appointment from men than from women. So, 
you know, I've, I've been told multiple things on the phone that are somewhat derogatory, but that's okay. Those are the fun ones for me. Those are, guess what? I can prove to you that I can do this job. And there's a reason that I'm in this position. So let me rephrase the question. When women do call you for the first time and you, you know, you don't Mm -hmm. recognize them. Um, they're, they're hunting for a price Mm -hmm. because they're a woman and you're a woman. Uh, is that closing rate of getting the appointment higher than when men call? I believe so. Oh, I think I, so. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And they're more value-based than price-based. Women are much more value-based than price-based. Do you want to hit a home run with the, the ladies? Tell them how quick you can get it done. I'll yep. have that done by three o'clock this afternoon. I'll look at that first thing tomorrow morning. We should have you back on the road by noon. They've you got kids to pick up. Because their car is their life. Yep. So the safety story probably has a ton of weight. Yep. The reliability story has a ton of weight. They Absolutely. don't want to be without their car. They've got they don't kids. want to ever be sitting on the side of the road with their car. No, and the husbands, that's my biggest thing with the husbands is you definitely don't want that phone call from your wife saying, honey, I'm broken down. Yep. So. Wow. I love this. This Every, every Tunnel Academy, it, it's, it's amazing how it, they always get knocked out of the ballpark. Bill, I'll, I'll let you have the last word. Well, the the one thing I want to just throw out here real quick to to wrap this up that we didn't get a chance to touch on is the the thing about there is a time you will give a price. And that to me is primarily if somebody calls and says, hey, I need a price on a timing belt. I need to know, well, why do you think you need a timing belt? And if if it's simply, well, my owner's manual says to do a timing belt at 100,000 miles and I'm at 103 and I guess it's time to get it done. I can't tell somebody I need to see the car before I can get right. the price on a timing belt. So those maintenance type services, I am going to give them a price on doing those maintenance services. But you better have incredible value because the one thing that's going to make the difference is they need to know all the value of having you do that timing belt versus one of your competitors. Right. So by the time you give them the price, you better have built all the value. They better know all the reasons for why you are a better choice than anybody else to do that maintenance service. Don't forget that. There will be times we give prices. Make sure when you're given that price, you build all the value that has to go along with that price. Excellent point. Thank you so much, Bill Haas, AAM from Haas Performance Consulting. And the birthday boy, happy birthday again, Bill. Happy birthday, Bill. <laughs> Thank you. And Emily Sundstrom, Service Manager, Valley Auto Electric, Covington, Washington. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.